Hello, welcome to the A Map to You Life Stories from the Living podcast. This is episode six, Finding My Place. I'm your host, Thomas Judd. This week, Daryl Bailey, Laura Harling, and Vicky Gaskin visited the Daffodil Cafe in Southwark, run by the Alzheimer's Society. And this week, the theme was all about places. I'm here with Laura now. Laura, can you tell us about this workshop this week? So one of the things that we do in Dot Collective Workshops when we're finding a story is we look at characters, we look at occupations, and we also look at places to put everyone in a place together to find a story. So we used that as our theme this week. So I took an imagery of various different places around the world. We went round in a circle and shared where we grew up, um, places that were familiar to us, places that we'd lived in and also places that we would most like to go to. And then we also looked at the photographs on the table and discussed what was in them, how they made us feel, what colours were there, if we would like to go there, if we wouldn't like to go there and why. And we wrote a list of different words that we associated with the photograph. And then those words inspired today's stories. We're going to hear our first one now. It's called A Parachute With You. And it's written and performed by Laura Harling. Indeed, indeed. It's important to break it up. Dark chocolate biscuit. I wouldn't say no to a dark chocolate biscuit. No need to twist my arm. I physically can't turn down chocolate. It's Monday. Cheers. I'm a city girl. Not central London. Well, I suppose it could be now. No. Lambeth. Doing the Lambeth walk. Hey! You know... Then I moved to Cornwall. It's a village. Inland. It's near Bodmin. It's quite a large village, near Bodmin. I would go back. It's all changed now. I was young. I used to walk to school. There were no buses. The school wasn't much good, really. A country village. Oh, my goodness. It's a difficult choice. I'd like to go parachuting onto a beach, I suppose. 007. Start up high and float all the way down to a nice quiet place. Yes, I wouldn't mind. These high buildings make me feel small and unimportant. They didn't have anything like this. They might have it now, I suppose. It's a quiet little place, nothing like this. Oh, lots of noise and very busy. Everyone is doing something. Hard to find the luxury. All the luxury is up high, I suppose. Does anyone really live there, in those big high buildings? There are sometimes gardens up there. Lovely patches of green. With hanging baskets, maybe. I don't know. I wouldn't like to stand up there. It's frightening. It it would frighten me. There's sunlight coming through, though. It would be nice to look out of. If I was with someone, I could stand there and look out at it all. And then I think I would jump off. Well, rather than just stand up there. Float back down again for the feeling of it all. I could parachute. Then I'd look back up and see how far I'd come. How tall they all are and how small I am. I'd like to feel how that is. Then I'd be among the traffic and the noise and all the people doing something. And I wouldn't mind that. What are they all doing anyway? I'm not a fan of lifts. No. And I've never been to New York City. The tall buildings are up high and the small buildings are down low and everyone is trying to do something. What are they trying to do? 
well, they're trying to do this in London, make it like New York City in certain places. Not everywhere, but certain places. Now there, in that place, there's one boat. It's a quiet place and nothing much to do. It's so blue and quite beautiful, really. Nice sounds. Birds, the waves. Probably a bit stormy over there, though, at times. Trees everywhere. Lovely green. Completely different from all the high buildings and the very busy people trying to do something. Very nice. Quiet and green with the blue calm sea. No. It does frighten me, all the people, the noise and all the high things. But no, I'd be here. At certain times I like the quiet and a little boat to float in the blue. But the noise is good company. And I can jump off in a parachute with you. That was A Parachute With You, written and performed by Laura Harling. I'm back with Laura. Hello. Hello. Laura, that was such a lovely piece. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? I was talking to a wonderful lady who, in some previous workshops, has been quite quiet. And with the pictures on the table of all the places this week, it really seemed to trigger her in a positive way to share a lot of information about her past and and that was mixed in with what she was seeing in the photographs and she really was on a flow really describing what she saw in the photographs and she was really fixated on this picture of New York City and the image itself was you couldn't see the roads it was just the very tall buildings in the background and then in the foreground very low buildings and she just was really fixated on these high buildings and what it would be like to stand up there and and how she would be scared of being up there, but she wouldn't mind jumping from it. <laughs> so she was a bit of a daredevil. So I, I really like, and it kind of made sense in a way. One of the things I think she said was, if you're up there, standing up there, you're stuck up there. Whereas if you are jumping off something, you're, you've got a feeling it's active, it's moving, where, rather than being trapped in a, in a building. So it was almost like she didn't mind the height, but if, as long as she could move within it or glide through it, as she said. But to be stuck up somewhere where you can't get out... That's what scared her. And I found that quite interesting in how we are living in cities as well. Sometimes you can feel quite trapped within it, but at the same time you can feel completely free to do anything. And it's, I don't know, it just made me think about that. And, and that contrast with the countryside where it's, yeah. it's more open and quiet. Yeah. yeah. And then we had another picture on the table, which was of a, a beach, an idyllic looking beach, as you can imagine, you know, blue sea, sand, trees in the background. But she didn't find as much to talk about in that photograph as she did the city. And I think a lot of us would kind of go, oh, well, if I could go anywhere right now, I'd go to the beach. And I said, if you could pick anywhere to go to, where would you go? She went, oh, no, the city. She said it was this idea that, well, it's all very well and nice to go and be in a lovely, peaceful place. It's beautiful and idyllic, but there's no people there. In that photograph, there's no people where there's clearly things happening here. And, and it interested her to wonder what people would be doing in these big high buildings, because <laughs> she doesn't know, who knows? But that keeps your mind occupied. And that was this thing about being surrounded by people keeps you going, and that the noise is your company. And I think for a lot of Londoners who, or anyone that lives in a, in a thriving city, I think we are addicted to that, the company that is always around us. So even if we feel alone... If we are lonely, we can never be alone in London. And sometimes that is a wonderful thing. Sometimes it can be not so much of a wonderful thing. And but... it feels very different when you're away from it, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. I don't know if you find this as well, but you go out to the countryside, you almost miss that low-level noise that is just mm. always a, always there in London. 
Well, you can't wait to come back to it. I think you can. And yeah, she said for certain times, of course, that would be nice, but I wouldn't want to be stay there in the same way she wouldn't want to be stuck in a, a high building. And just the fact that it came up in conversation as the group with Vicky, we were talking about parachuting onto a beach in Australia and that I sort of said to everyone, would you want to parachute? And she went, oh, yes, yes, no, yes, definitely. And I repeated it because I wasn't sure she completely understood because it was quite surprising. She went, no, yeah, of course. And it really teaches you to just not underestimate what people want to do. Absolutely. Um, regardless of age and ability. So, yeah, it was just, it was it was a really lovely conversation. But more importantly, I really saw her open up this week more than other weeks and her descriptions of places was very poetic and beautiful and I wanted to capture that. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you. Now, from parachutes to pianos. Our next piece is called Piano Business. It's written by Vicky Gaskin and it's performed by Vicky and myself, Thomas Judd. What are you doing over here, then? I've come to talk to you. I'm going to talk to me? Yeah. Why? Because I reckon you have some really interesting stories. Stories? Yeah. What do you want to hear my stories for? Because we're making a podcast and I reckon you've got some really great stories. Look at him. He's gone all unnecessary, he has. Now you come over. He doesn't know what to say. No, it's you I want to talk to. Me? Yeah. What do you want to know? Where would you go if you could go anywhere in the world? Anywhere in the world? Yeah. London. What time is it? Uh, 12.30. Not one o'clock? No, sorry, half an hour to go. I'm going to bash the keys off that piano. You what? I'm going to bash the keys off that piano at one o'clock. What are you going to play? All sorts. Are you good? Very good. Wow. When did you learn how to play the piano? When I was young. I taught myself. You taught yourself? Yeah. Just tried one bit, then another, then another. It's easy. That's incredible. It's easy. Could you teach me? Yeah. It'll cost you, though. That's fair. I don't do nothing for nothing, you know. I think that's very sensible. I know my value. I always got the money up front. And where did you play? In the pubs. That one across there and round the corner. All the local ones. But I always made sure I got paid. Absolutely. All right, how much for a lesson? Tenner. Do you take card? Cash only. Look at her over there. I can't see she's behind me. Look at her over there. She's giving me the eye. Look at her. Is it okay to turn around? I'm going to give her the eye back. Are you flirting over my shoulder? She's not normally here, is she? I don't know. She's still looking. Look. If I turn around now, it's going to be really obvious. You can't see if you don't look. Okay. Oh, my God, she is. What are you going to do? I'm going to bash the keys off that piano. That was Piano Business, written by Vicky Gaskin and performed by Vicky and myself, Thomas Judd. I'm here with Vicky. Hi, Vicky. Hiya. Thank you for reading that with me. I really enjoyed that. that Good. Was, that was Good. really fun. Can you tell us about this character? Yeah, he's someone who's part of the group and he's someone who I haven't properly sat down and spent that much time with. And so... The joy of going back is that I'm like, oh, I haven't really got to know that person. So I went over and had a chat with him. We we started on where would you like to go in the world, but sort of went off talking about other things. And 
I just wanted to sort of capture his personality, I guess, because he's such a sort of live wire. He sort of keeps an eye on what's going on. He's He very much like does what he wants to do, doesn't do what he doesn't want to do. So it's all part of his personality. He's also just this incredible piano player. So as the group finishes every week, he heads straight for the piano and just plays the most beautiful, exquisite piano concertos I don't know what they are I don't I don't really know much about that sort of kind of music but it's just so beautiful and so I've been hearing hearing this music for weeks and then just the idea that he's going to you know bash the keys off the piano is such a contrast, contrast to, to sort of what it sounds like but it's just so interesting to find out what his background is and that he's taught himself how to play the piano he also plays the piano accordion just sort of it was just was nice getting to know him a little bit better and it means obviously next time I can go and say oh how's it going and yeah we sort of have this have this shared story it's really nice thank you very much Vicky and now we have another piece for you this is Always Have Your Seven by Daryl Bailey and it's performed by Daryl himself Robert Hickson and Laura Harling Words I think them more than I say them it's not as if I don't want to say I just don't or can't well I can when I feel like it but it's hard It's funny, but you hear more words than you read them. I reckon a lot of people don't realise a word isn't learnt until you hear it. That's what I heard, anyway. What I now know is that what I say sometimes isn't what I hear anymore, or try to say, rather. I... I don't like it, but I've accepted it. The others, though, they've reached where I'm at somewhat and if anything they're talking more every week a lot of words spouted at each other I'm not even sure they know what they're saying or if they'll remember any of it but it looks liberating but they're having a great time it seems all the way over there pictures of places I recognise but don't think I ought to say but that's all right. I'll let them carry on The words I see before me are what I need to be free. Free to think, free to be at peace, and remember to... You can't do that. Huh? For real? Look, it's... Ah, uh, I see. Can't mess up the spelling of another word. Mm -hmm. He goes right back to his... Word search? (sighs) Guess I'll take my turn. Laughter, smiles and banter echoes all around us. Yet the fellow never raised his head. Clearly focused. Skip the small talk and slap some scrabble then. (laughs) Suits me just fine. The game was well underway when I took over from his opponent. The board mostly filled and his word search nearly done. He's not looked at me once since I've sat down. Not really played scrabble before. Always have your seven. Got it. And no proper nouns. That it? Mm Mm-hmm. I start out with two to three letter words, proving I'm as literate as a three-year-old. Whereas he's spelling seven-letter monsters backwards, from bottom to top. What the heck is a Feistos? Before I know it, I feel eyes on me. The jolly remembrances have paused to witness my schooling. You've got a new mate. <laughs> Love this. Oh, watch out. You've got a rival there. Hardly. I haven't a clue what I'm doing. He puts down a four-letter word. That's, uh... Oh, yeah. Roman Emperor. No, it's a coffee shop chain. Ha! <laughs> Good one. 
crafty bugger. I'm not going to quibble over rules when I thought to see the ghost of a smile disappear into his word search. I find myself liking him. Wanted to express a desire to impress him. I'm not sure why. For a man who's said hardly any words to me, I find that I'm searching elsewhere about him for the person he could be. Equivocation. That's a favourite of mine. I didn't mean to be vague, but he'll figure it out in time. I clear the board and collect the tiles. I bet it wasn't even close. I had 14 left. You had 18. Really? Well then. I left him with that. It's clear he hasn't a clue what that means. I left the hall and the young man to his day. No shaking of hands, no need to say goodbye. Because we shared more words without speaking than I would any other way. That was Always Have Your Seven by Daryl Bailey, performed by Daryl himself, Robert Hickson and Laura Harling. Uh, Daryl, I just have a few questions about this amazing piece. Um, Can you tell us what inspired it? What inspired me was the challenge of getting to know someone who, for whatever reason, didn't speak to you. Everything I learnt about this individual was told to me secondhand. The the carer who was there was saying, oh, this person likes puzzles and keeping their mind sharp and, you know, people commenting on the game we were playing, oh, they've got a little rival. Whereas this individual didn't tell me anything about themselves and I was sat there wanting to talk to them and wanting to engage but having no clue how to do it. I was, I was a bit intimidated, so I, I don't know what, you know, what his boundaries were. I could see he was deeply invested in the game and he was playing a word search whilst beating me at Scrabble. So there was something in engaging with words that are like set in front of him that I found fascinating and I thought that was, that was a way in to get to know him a bit. And do you think that there's a lesson in there about how we can communicate in a non-verbal way? Yeah, absolutely. A similarity between me and this person that small talk is not something I'm really good at and you can kind of skip a lot of steps and get to know a person if there are other ways available for them to express themselves so there's I think there's a lesson in that. Now Daryl you were a part of the Dot Collective project 100 trillion in uh, 2018 to 2019 and you've also worked with this participant group at that time what was it like for you to go back five years later? I didn't feel like I was returning. I felt like I was going there for the first time. I mean, there's a concept, even through writing this and doing this workshop, it's called Halo and Horns. Like, you learn everything about a person before you meet them by what someone else says. And for me, I, I think I was putting Halo slash Horns on the group. Like, oh, it's a dementia peer group, but it shouldn't matter. I'm just going in to have new experiences today with these people. It was kind of exciting to see what, what are we going to come up with today? What fascinating things are they going to tell me? What what fun jokes are going to be said? What are we going to play? What are we going to do today? Yeah, I was just going to meet some people and and play. You know, nothing about what I've come to do is, is important. It's just, just here to have a good time. So how did you feel at the beginning of the workshop and how did you feel at the end of the workshop? I felt a little apprehensive at the beginning of the workshop. I felt like I come in to do a job but that at the end of it I felt like I'd come away with oh I just met some friends for lack of a better word like I just met some friends had a nice time and we all went our separate ways and how did you find the process from being at the workshop to then writing the piece and then coming in to record the the entire process itself a challenge certainly in previous episodes of the podcast what we have are some you know verbatim pieces of 
participants' interactions, whereas the person I wrote about literally said about three sentences to me. So I felt a certain degree of freedom and being able to be inspired to fictionalise something. A lot of our jobs as artists is to kind of get in the heads and shoes of the people we portray and trying to get to know this person. I wanted to try and imagine what things are like from his point of view. It's an exciting challenge because I think what we came away with was something I felt true and and fun. Thank you, Daryl. Now, if you tuned into last week's episode, you'll have heard Laura interviewing Maria Lanzalaco, who very kindly came in to talk about caring for her mum, Pauline, who lives with dementia. We were so grateful to Maria for giving up her time to talk to us, and we also learned in the process that she's a poet. And this week, we have the honour of performing one of her poems for you. This is called Irma's House, and it's performed by Laura Harling and myself, Thomas Judd. What treasures are you hiding in your crannies and nooks? A lifetime's work, possessions, memories and photo books. In every room, a story waiting to be told. Total order, everything in place, their histories unfold. Every room, on every floor, precious collections of beauty. Signature styles of decor. I record their tale as my duty. From the side-laying vase atop the cupboards, with ivy trailing down. To the quantity of roses, dressing windows framed as if their crown. From porcelain to glass, only the very best. Villeroy und Boch, as the Biedermeier would attest. Perhaps a service per decade, all hidden from view, and seldom if at all used. Each shrank left us bemused. Such beautiful things, made to be touched and to be admired. Deemed far too precious, the love with which they were acquired. Not to mention the linens, some for all occasions, ironed to perfection, stacked to personal equation. The wild rose service too, to which I was inclined, became larger by the day, as in each room another piece I'd find. Such treasures I found as I searched like a mouse, above all myself, as I lived in Irma's house. So that was Irma's house. It was performed by Laura Harling and myself, Thomas Judd, and it was written by Maria Lanzalaco. Thank you so much, Maria, for donating one of your poems for us to perform. We asked Maria if she could let us know what inspired her to write this poem in the first place, and this is what she said. I was inspired by this great beautiful house I was lucky to live in for a whole year. Whilst there, I had to make an inventory of what was there, ready to sell or throw. Every room held such beautiful items, especially her gorgeous porcelain and china, most of which had never been used, which was actually quite sad. Her son and I were stunned by the sheer quantity of items. She was clearly a wonderful homemaker. I understood her, though, for not using them. And as I discovered her, I also managed to find myself. Thank you so much, Maria, for sharing. Moving on to our next piece. This is called Fairy Tale Wish. It's written and performed by Vicky Gaskin. If I could go anywhere, I'd go to... with the tour... Up with lots of uh, you look through and say hello to the the down below and see all the 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 twinkling red and white on the yellow moving. They get angry, you know, with beep beep. I'm not angry. I'm 
Yippee! Like when you jump off a... Uh, it goes along at first, then down. And they swim in it. Little and wriggly, dancey. You can dance, you can jive, having the time of your life. <laughs> in, in the... Uh, the, the along and down, with the, with the wriggly and the, the the wet going down, but it gets cold and hard, like little in my my I, I sip it and I'm oh yeah if I sip it too much, and and I can't one in front of the other, but I do enjoy it in a busy and and they're they're sipping the. The, with the cold, hard, wet. And some of them are, oh, yeah. <laughs> and there's a, the on a higher up with a, oh, make sure, la, 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 into a, la, la, la. <laughs> Beautiful. Sounds like warm and sunny. Not like out there through the, the I came in through it. He wants to go through the other one. But this one is the best one to go through. It's nearer the, the where they gather for the the big red moving. I like to move it, move it. Do you like it? I'd like to go to... If I had my fairy tale wish, I'd like to go to... With, with lots of... Oh, when you're one in front of the other, dry sinks. Unless it's wet, then they wet sink. Unless it's all wet, then you sink under or sink over on the top. Or on the top of the 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 up with the, the bong, bong. And you look out to the side to side, shiny at the bottom and fluffy on top. And you feel... <sighs> and, and the don't look right at it <laughs> goes under the, the, the shiny and the... Yellow and orange and purple, dancey in the up and everywhere. And I sip it. That was Fairy Tale Wish, written and performed by Vicky Gaskin. Vicky, can you tell us more about this intriguing piece? Yeah, it's told from the point of view of one of the ladies that we were working with this week. And what is just so amazing about her is she just talks in this wonderfully descriptive way. I mean, there's not really any nouns to her vernacular. And it, it's just so lovely to have a conversation with her because sometimes she can't find words. But firstly, it doesn't stress her. She just finds the description and you sort of know what she's talking about. But also, it's sort of more rich for experiencing the descriptions. I just really wanted to bring her way of describing things so that other people could listen to it, because I just think it's so, so beautiful. The way she sort of describes the world, and I, I, you know, I don't live in, in her head, but I feel like the way she sees the world is just this really, it feels sort of very magical. And, and the way in which she describes things varies. So you've got adjectives, descriptive ways of describing something, but also she breaks into song. Yeah, or she'll, yeah. Was she quite physical as well? Did she use a lot of physical movements to Ver try to describe Very things? physical. I think, like, recording it, I 
found it very hard to stay still to record it because, you know, when something is inspired by and based on someone real, you sort of embody them in your body. And so she's, she, I mean, she's constantly on her feet and it is very sort of theatrical in her essence. And so that sort of all comes across and sort of breaking into song and sounds and stuff is, is again, sort of all part of just the the way that she speaks, the way she communicates, the way she sort of interacts with the world. And I just, I feel very inspired by it. I think it's really, just really cool to be talking to someone who is, you know, not saying, yeah, I'd like to go to New York, but saying, you know, I'd like to go to this place with the, like the tall up and downs and the twinkly lights. And, and it demonstrates how communication works in so many different ways. Absolutely. As well. And, you know, the idea that, yes, with dementia, sometimes the the symptom is that you can't find words for things but it can really open up this like wonderful way of communication absolutely thank you vicky thank you tom so we've already heard one lovely piece of poetry today we're now going to hear two more poems these were written by laura harling and they're performed by laura and myself thomas judd they're called those buildings and a quiet place enjoy Up high, confidently striding in government buildings. Down here, walking small and unimportant. Up there, they filter the noise. Down here, we are the noise. They stay quiet when they don't listen. We stay quiet when in thought. We can't see them, up there, up high, except through reflections in the windows. The sunlight shines through. Grey and black suits block our colour. And I ask to be pardoned. I bet they have a garden on a rooftop for a party, smartly dressed. It's always a party down here. In every colour, every fashion we dance, even alone. Nothing. Boat, blue, beautiful, stormy, green, quiet, true, birds, waves, floating, thinking, not much to do. Longing for you. So that was Those Buildings and A Quiet Place. List poems written by Laura Harling and performed by Laura and myself, Thomas Judd. I'm here with Laura. Laura, can you tell us a little bit about the list poems? Yes, these poems in particular weren't written by me alone. They were written by the participants I was speaking to. So when we have a photograph in front of us, especially with places, I ask the participants to list what they can see in it. So it's a direct response from what they're looking at and what it makes them feel like and where they think it might be. Whatever words that they give back to me, it can just be one word because that's quite a simple way of inspiring storytelling. And then we make a list of all of those words. So blue, beautiful, stormy, green. And then we'll turn those that list into a poem. So it's starting, it's just getting something down on paper. And often the words in, in itself are a poem and there's no pressure there to 
to make it into something massive or, or rhyming or anything, but it's just it's a way to start the storytelling off a, a direct response from looking at an image. And so these two poems, one is simply the the words that were given to me, and the other was an example of how I had the words, and then we extended that into more of a, a poem. Very collaborative. Yes, very collaborative. And the poem where it did take on more of a story. Mm. Is that a case of people building on each other's ideas? Yeah, definitely a, a collaborative response to the words, especially at the end of some of the workshops. I go around and say, you know, let's put what happened today in, in five sentences and, and using the words that we've had that have come up. This poem in particular, Those Buildings, was inspired by the words, but also one sentence that was given, which was they look like government buildings, which inspired the idea of up there, there's them and down here. And then, of course, I... I took to recent times and <laughs> went down my own route of the response to the government buildings. But yeah. I think I'd rather just put the thought of recent times to one side and uh, go back to that image of the lovely beach where it's very quiet. I think that's where I want to be right now as I hear the rain pattering down on the roof above me. Well, that's it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Next week, the theme is occupations. And the workshop next week will be taking place at the Link Age in Southwark. If you'd like to know more about The Dot Collective, you can have a look in the show notes or visit the website www.thedotcollective.com. If you're enjoying the podcast, please do share it far and wide. And you can also leave us a review. That would really help us out. Many thanks to the City Bridge Trust for supporting us. Have a great week and do tune in next Tuesday for some more fascinating stories. Goodbye. Goodbye.